Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 2. I'd like to talk to you today about a mother's faith. Mother's Day is kind of emotional, it really is, and I think some people even stay away from church on Mother's Day because they can't handle uh, the emotion of it all. Because there is nothing uh, on this earth like the love of a mother. One of the greatest examples of this is found in Exodus chapter 2. Verse number 1, the Bible says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. Levi was one of the, uh, the tribes of, uh, of Israel. And so from this particular tribe, the uh, priestly tribe, Levi, uh, two people got married, Amran and Jochebed. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Have you ever seen a mother who didn't think her child was a beautiful child? I've, I haven't seen one. Um, this little boy was born into their family, and uh, she looked at him, and immediately she fell in love with him. Verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, tar, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. His sister's name was Miriam. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. Um, I've read many commentaries on this section, and most of them say that the angel came and pinched the baby uh, because uh, God knew that uh, no mother, uh, no lady could resist a, a crying child. Her heart would go out to that baby. Uh, the baby just cried at the right time. Often they cry at the wrong time, but this one was right on cue. Uh, she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse? Uh, how convenient would this be? Uh, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women and she, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the uh, child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew and, and, brought, and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. Uh, in chapter number one of this section of scripture, uh, the nation of Israel had fallen from its favored nation status. Joseph, remember, was a king uh, but he had died. And another generation came on. Someone told me one time that Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. That's why in our church we put so much emphasis on the next generation. And we are so thankful to our senior citizens in our church, the people that we honored today, uh, because they realized that, uh, that the hope of Christianity is, is in the next generation all of us working together. 
mentoring each other as we go down. And so uh, the next generation came on the scene and they didn't know Joseph and they didn't know the faith of the nation of Israel. And so the nation of Israel began to grow in such rapid numbers that the Egyptians became, uh, they were just uh, afraid that the Jewish people would take over Egypt. And so they began to persecute them. And you know the story. They, they began to make life a lot harder for these people who had become slaves. And the scripture says that the more heat they put on them, the more they proliferated, the, the more they grew. And then they decided, listen, this is not working, and so let's get rid of the children. Uh, let's decree that, let's bring the midwives in and let's tell them, listen, when you go to a family, the Hebrew family, and they're having a little baby boy, I want you to, uh, to cause that boy to die. I want you to kill that kid. And, uh, of course, uh, the Hebrew midwives wouldn't do that. Uh, they were in touch with God, and they loved kids as much or more than anyone. And so Pharaoh then finally put out a command, and it's seen in verse number 22 of chapter 1. Pharaoh commanded all the people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And so the, the decree went out that the baby boys would be cast into the river to be drowned. But if a person had a baby girl, that that little girl could live. Well, to say the least, uh, this is faith in the toughest of times. Uh, across the world, there have always been tough times. And uh, people of faith have always had to rise to the challenge. But it's interesting to me that, um, that life goes on. Uh, I've been reading a lot of history recently, and I'm, I'm always taken back to see how how wretched life has really been for so many people on planet Earth. Uh, we know probably little about that in America because we've had it so good, but this is a, a unique phenomenon, uh, not normal in the world. Life goes on. And, uh, you know, I was reading in Jeremiah chapter 29 about a, a, a letter that was written down to God's people as they were incarcerated in Babylon, as they were extracted from their country. And God told them this. They were in the wretched, most wretched of times, and God said, listen, I want you to live your life. Don't fall into depression. Life has to go on. No matter what's going on around you, life has to go on. And, and God told them to build houses, plant gardens, get married, have children uh, down there in Babylon. And, and so the same is true here. I told you before that I'm working on I got almost to the end of Schindler's List. How many people have ever seen the movie or read the book Schindler's List? Okay, quite a few of you. It's a sad story. Um, back in uh, Europe, they put the Jewish population in ghettos. You know, we have a little bit different uh, definition of that now, but they put them in what they called ghettos, and they built walls around them, and they wouldn't let them out, and they had to live their whole life in the ghetto. They had lots of different ghettos. But it's amazing to me how resilient the Jewish people were and how in the midst of the most horrific, unbelievable persecution in all the world, how their life went on. And if you could transport yourself back into this scenario today, uh, you couldn't believe it, the, the persecution that was coming on the nation of Israel.
And what was all of this persecution about? It's always been about persecuting the people who stood up for the name of God. That's what it's about. Uh, this was exhibit A of faith in tough times. But you know, faith has some characteristics. Faith protects human life. It really does. Uh, the woman conceived in verse 2 and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him. She knew that this was not the permanent solution because you can't hide a baby very long, can you? They start out, people bring their little babies into our church, and the first few weeks they're real quiet. Then something happens to them. And after a period of a few months, they can, I'll tell you what, they can shatter the window panes in this church. Uh, and so you can't hide a baby very long. That wasn't a permanent solution. But she decided to obey a higher rule, a higher law. And uh, God's people have always been called to this. You know, there's the law of man, and then there's the law of God. And so she decided that, uh, listen, I'm not going to go along with the law of man. Uh, man doesn't have any respect for life. God respects life. He's the author of life. Uh, God is all about life. He is the God of life. And so these midwives, they feared the Lord, and they protected life. You know, it's a good thing to fear the Lord. It's, uh, it's better to fear the Lord more than you fear the government, more than you fear other people. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, they had an impossible situation in this home. This is not almost an impossible situation. This is not a situation where it would be nice if God would do something, but this is a situation that God had to do something. There's a verse of Scripture that has always meant a lot to me. It's found in Proverbs 3. And we, Proverbs 3. Let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. That's what they were doing with all their heart. They weren't leaning on their own understanding because they didn't have much to lean on. They ran out of things to lean on. And the only thing that they could lean on, of course, was God. But, you know, faith, real faith gives people courage. It does. The Bible is a continuous story of those who their faith gave them courage. Back in the book of Daniel, remember, there were those, uh, those Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and what? Abednego. And they were thrown into that fiery furnace, and uh, they came out. They had courage, I'll tell you. Uh, they weren't afraid. And then, remember, Daniel was placed in the, in the lion's den, and he came out the next morning. He, he was okay. He just had a, a nice visit with a few tame pets in the lion's den. And then there was the uh, servant of Elisha in Second Kings chapter 6. I love that story. Uh, Elisha was, uh, was one of the advisors uh, to the president of Israel. And uh, that's the way it should be. Uh, uh, the president of the country should get his information from those who get their information from God Almighty. And that's the way it was there. And so uh, they tried to eliminate him uh, from Syria. And the, the Syrians sent down these massive armies, and the servant of Elisha was so afraid. And God, God Elisha prayed, and, and uh, the servant's eyes were opened, and he saw a different army, an army with more, uh, more 
soldiers than the soldiers that had come to take Elijah. Uh, God's people have always had courage. Psalms 118, verse number 6 says this, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's say that together. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, I think that's the proposition that, that, uh, that Moses had right here. Uh, faith has a wonderful way of seeing the way. It stimulates ingenuity. It really does. You know, I don't know if this has ever been tried before, putting babies in little arcs and sending them down the river in hopes that someone would have compassion and would find this baby and adopt it. Maybe the baby would float out of danger and somebody would have mercy on it. The closest uh, parallel we have to this is when we used to take mission trips from our church and our Christian school down into Haiti. And uh, we would go through that, uh, that country and women would come with their babies and when they'd see a group of American tourists and they would hold their babies out to us and say, take my baby back to America. They, they realized if their baby stayed, stayed there, it would have very little hope to live. You just think of all, many, all the times in our culture here we rush our baby to the hospital. Uh, we pack them full of antibiotics and we dodge another bullet. Well, they don't have anything like that there in many of the countries of the world. And they know that, uh, baby, that infant mortality is so high. And so they love their children so much that they were willing to give their children up so that they would have a chance for life. And so here we find in our story for this morning the same situation. They made this little ark. Uh, and uh, boy, were they surprised at the result of it. I think they had a plan. And when you read chapter 2, you, th you, you know they had a plan. Miriam was to go, and they were to put this little ark in the bulrushes there. And Miriam was to kind of like keep her eye on that little kid. Uh, you know, big sisters are pretty good mothers for little kids. You know that? Uh, we have a situation in our house like that right now. Uh, we have over at our place right now. Uh, we have little Jenna. Jenna's uh, three years old. She's a little mother. And then we have a little Caden. And uh, he's six months old. And I think she thinks she's the mother of little Caden. But it's so cute uh, to see her watch over him and protect him and just care for all of his needs. And, uh, and I was thinking about that, how that fits into our story this morning. Here's Miriam. She's got this little baby, uh, her little brother, uh, she's watching out for him. She's going to take care of him. And so they have this plan. Let's put, him in the, let's put him in the reeds here and see if somebody will have compassion on him. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter came down, found this little kid, and, say, listen, and said, listen, why don't you get a nurse? And little Miriam said, boy, I know just the person for this job. Little Moses' mother will do well. And I found out in reading a commentary on this that whenever they hired nurses back in, that, that was a paid position. And so this whole thing worked out so extraordinarily. And you know, God does that in our life sometimes when we are absolutely dependent upon him for faith. I love Ephesians 3.20. This is one of my favorite verses, and let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I think probably this family was just praying that somebody would adopt this baby. Didn't have to be them. 
but look what God has done. God has worked the most extraordinary miracle. This little baby was going to be able to be raised by its mother and be paid on top of it. Wow. Wasn't that exceedingly abundantly above everything that they had ever conceived of? They could never have conceived of that plan. Uh, well, uh, mother and child uh, began to grow together and the faith came to fruition. And in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse number 24, it uh, gives us a lot of further information about the faith of, of Moses. Let's turn over there, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, do you know how old he was when it said that? He was 40 years old. You know, I, I said to our Saturday congregation last night, it's easy to grow old. It's, uh, it's hard to grow up. Uh, Moses, some people grow old and never grow up. Uh, it took him 40 years to finally come to his senses and then he decided he, have to, he had to make a decision. And in verse uh, 24 it says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And what that means is he said no to the world. He said, I'm not going to be this person any longer. I'm not going to live in this culture any longer. I'm going to take my rightful place with, my, with uh, my people, the Jews. Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that Moses was the actually the heir to the throne of Egypt. And so he, uh, he turned in his card, his VIP card. He turned in his parking pass. He turned in everything he had and he said, listen, I'm willing to pay the price to be the person that God made me to be. And so he refused. He said, no, I'm not going along with the program any longer. And we have to do that. Faith has to say no to a lot of things in the world. And he said, listen, I refuse to be called the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. Choosing rather, look at this, look at this option. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Uh, I'm glad the Bible says this, passing pleasures of sin, because sin is pleasurable. People are going out, they're having a good time. Uh, but it's only passing, it's only temporary, and there's always a price to pay uh, because sin is a hard taskmaster, it really is. And he says, listen, I've had all of that stuff. I don't want that any longer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the, the, uh, the suffering, really, with the people of God. That's what I want. And uh, that's the reproach of faith. He said, I'm going to go out, listen, I know what I'm in for. I'm willing to suffer with the people of God. And I believe today that uh, we as Christians need to um, be willing also to suffer with the people of God. Because, you know, if you really take a stand for Christ, uh, people are going to look at you as though you are really weird. And uh, they're going to go beyond that, and they're going to probably start persecuting you in some uh, either overt or covert way. Uh, and the next thing we have is the reward of faith. Uh, he went out, and God blessed him. By faith, in verse 27, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is visible. That's how you and I are going to endure. We have to see the Lord. We can't see him with our natural eyes, but we know he's there and we're going to follow him. And uh, he endured. Moses uh, 
was used by God to save the nation of Israel. And I often think of this, uh, that, that mother brought that little baby into the world and that baby was in effect the savior of the nation of Israel. Uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing as wonderful, there's uh, nothing that has so much potential than a baby. Uh, to grow up and become the person that God wanted that person to be. I said to our congregation last night that I received my faith from my mother and she received her faith from her mother. And I don't know how many generations it goes back, but I think it goes back quite a ways because my heritage is that uh, Scotch Presbyterian and they were quite saintly as you read about them over there in Scotland. And so uh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pass our faith down. And uh, that's exactly what happened here. Uh, by faith, the Bible says, these parents launched that little boat. And, uh, and Moses was tutored under his mother's teaching. And, and at the prime time, when he became of age, age 40, he said, listen, that faith grew in his life. And he said, listen, I'm going to take my stand for Christ right now. Uh, I'm going to stake. Actually, back in that day, it was Messiah. I'm going to. I'm going to get in on the. I'm going to stand up with the people who believe in the Messiah, and I know what price it's going to have to pay. Mothers, uh, you have an unbelievable, incredible opportunity to pass your faith to your children. Don't miss out on it. I once read a story of an angel who stole out of heaven one day and came to this world. It was a sunshiny day. He roamed through the field, the forest, the city, the hamlet. And as the sun went down, he plumbed his wings for the return flight to heaven. And he said, now that my visit is over, before I return, I must gather some mementos of my trip. He looked at the beautiful flowers in the garden and said, how lovely and how fragrant. And he plucked the rarest roses, made a bouquet and said, I see nothing more beautiful than these fragrant flowers. The angel looked farther and saw a bright-eyed, rosy-cheeked child and said, that baby is prettier than the flowers. I'll take that too. And looking behind to the cradle, he saw a mother's love pouring out over her baby like a gushing spring. And the angel said, the mother's love is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'll take that too. And with those three treasures, the heavenly messenger winged his flight to the pearly glades, saying, Before I go in, I must examine the mementos of my trip to the earth. He looked at the flowers, and they had withered. He looked at the baby's smile, and it had faded. He looked at the mother's love, and it shone in all of its pristine beauty. Then he threw away the withered flowers. He cast aside the faded smile. And with the mother's love pressed to his breast, he swept through the gates into the city, shouting that the only thing that he had found that would retain its fragrance from earth to heaven was a mother's love. I'll tell you what, mothers, your love is incredible. And God has given you that, and it is your gift to give to your kids. And it can change their heart. In chapter 2, verse number 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to uh, this mother, take this child away and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. That's one of the neatest statements in all the Bible. And I believe, even though that statement is not from God, it, it should be. Mothers, you take 
this child and you nurse it for me and I will give you wages. Napoleon Bonaparte was asked one day, what do you regard as the greatest need of France? He replied, mothers, mothers, mothers. The power of a mother is an incredible power. And mothers, I want to encourage you to use it well. Use it well. Because in your home, one of those little kids may just be the deliverer of a nation. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I'm, I'm sure that every time we speak like this, there are people in our church that said, you know, my mother didn't pass her faith to me. My grandmother didn't pass her faith to my mother. We don't have a heritage like that. Well, you know, I understand that. But, you know, heritage, spiritual heritage has to begin somewhere. And maybe you're the first generation of believers in Jesus. I want to encourage you, young ladies, maybe you're not married, but one of these days you probably will be. I want to encourage you uh, to stake your claim. Be the person, uh, have the love of God in your heart and pass it down to your kids. Because one day, they will, they will just call you blessed. Uh, they will revere you. They will honor you because of what you did for them. Dear Lord, as we uh, come now uh, to the end of the service, we pray that you'll move in our hearts. If there are some in our church that need to make decisions today for Christ or join the church, present themselves for baptism. I pray that they may come forward today in the service. Lord, if there are some in our church that just need to come and pray, I pray that you'll move upon their heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.